But it's good to be with you guys. Um, I missed a few weeks. COVID finally got me after two years. Found me out. Hate you, COVID. Um, but I'm glad to be here, and I'm going to be continuing our series in the book of Luke. Uh, but, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, Z-Kids, you can go. You're dismissed. It's, Judah's not here. When Judah's here, you know, because Judah's standing up. He keeps inching closer and closer to let you know, let him go. I'm sorry, Z-Kids. So I am, I have that, whatever it is after COVID, the cough that exists. It is the bane of my existence right now. So I will take a few water breaks throughout um, the preaching. But I just wanted to highlight, yesterday, um, the women had this uh, event called In His Presence, and I heard some amazing things from it. So if you were there, awesome. If you weren't, you missed it. It's not videoed. So next time they have it, you got to make it. Um, it, it was a really good thing I heard. So please, I want to encourage you, if there's any events like that, whether it's the women or the men or anything else that's going on, make every effort to make it out to those events. So what if I told you that you could be the most committed Christian ever? You could... I have no idea what that was. You can go to church... Every Sunday, you can give tithes as often as you're supposed to. You could serve on every team. You could be there. You could attend every Bible study. You could be the most pious person on earth. And you can completely miss the heart of the gospel. You can do all these things and you can completely miss the heart of the gospel. In today's text, we're going to see how Jesus gets rebuked by the Pharisees and how he continually brings us back to the heart of the gospel. You should have it on your papers. I'm starting from Luke 6, verses 1 through 11. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples broke off some heads of grain, rubbed off the husk in their hands, and ate the grain. But some Pharisees said, Why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus replied, haven't you read in the scripture what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests can eat. He also gave some to his companions. And Jesus added, the son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath. On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. Then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? He looked around at them one by one and then said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today, Lord God. We thank you for this Marathon Sunday, Lord. 
We thank you for the gift of being in your house, Lord God, being with brothers and sisters, being with the family of God, whether it's here in person or online, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that we're not alone in this, Lord. And I pray as we get ready to hear your word, I pray that you would open up the ears of our hearts, Lord God, as well as the ears that are on our heads, Lord God, that we would hear every word that you're saying to us. God, I pray that it would land on good soil today, Lord God, and it would be fruitful in our lives. Help the speaker, Lord God, to hide behind the cross, Lord God, that you may be seen, that your word may go forward, Lord God, and accomplish everything that it's set out to do. We pray all of this in your precious name. Amen. <clears throat> so, in both instances, it takes place on the Sabbath. And both times, the Pharisees accused Jesus of breaking the Sabbath with his actions. That's a nutshell of what just happened in these stories. They got some good music playing in T Kids right now. How many of us know today that no matter the amount of reading, of prayer, of serving, anything that we do, it's not gonna make us, it's not gonna make God love us any more than he loves us right now at this moment. My first point for today is an unhealthy Christianity adds on to a perfect gospel. Thanks, Ray. You see, the Pharisees, they spent their time examining the law. They wanted to know the law inside and out. They believed that this is, what God was, this is what God was speaking, and they wanted to know everything that God left for them. This is the way you were supposed to live our life. This is the way we're supposed to be but they completely missed the essence of the law. And this caused them to add on to something that was already perfect. The law was given to us by a perfect God, and it was perfect the way he gave it to us. But the Pharisees saw it. They couldn't understand it. So what do they do? What all of us do. When we don't understand something, we try to make it fit our lives. So we add on, or we, we, we morph it, or we change it just a little bit, so that it, it makes sense to us a little bit more. And as Christians, we do the same thing with the gospel. We get the gospel, it's perfect in the way that it was given to us. The way that Jesus left it here on earth, it was perfect. There was nothing wrong with it. We read it and we go, we don't deserve this. We don't deserve grace. Like I'm a sinner, I have to earn my salvation. So what do we do? We add on to the gospel. We add on that you have to read your Bible a certain amount of times. You have to do a certain amount of things. And we, we do this in an attempt to say, okay, yeah, we're saved, but we still have to work for his love. There's this mentality that exists in Christianity, right? And there's probably people in this room, I myself have been guilty of it, I do so I can be accepted. I do so I can be loved. So God becomes a tyrant and an employer that you have to make happy. So you do everything that you do to make sure you're smiling at me today, right, God? You love me. I prayed. I, I, I gave. I served. I I made sure that I was fasting. I did this so you can love me. But the gospel tells us we are loved 
That's why we obey. He loves us first. We don't have to do anything. He loves us. And because he loves us, it should lead to obedience in our lives to do what he's called us to do. You see, the Pharisees, they rebuked Jesus for breaking the Sabbath. In both stories, which made no sense to me, the irony there, how are you going to rebuke the word for the thing that he spoke into existence? Don't even get me started there. But I think we have to take a, a step back and understand what the Sabbath was so they could, we could understand why they were rebuking him, right? So we can get a glimpse of what they were trying to say to him. And uh, Winnie, if you have time this week, I know Justin preached on the Sabbath at some point in time. It was a really good message. You can uh, post it onto the app and everybody in here can listen to it um, at some point in time. But I'm going to go... I thought we were going back into worship. Um, <laughs> Exodus 20, verses 8 through 10. This is what God said to Moses about the Sabbath. He said, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But on the seventh day is a day of rest, a Sabbath day of rest, and dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So the Sabbath was meant as a day of rest, a day to enjoy God and all that he blessed us with. He said, you got six days. Thank God we don't have that anymore. We have five days of work. But um, you got six days for ordinary work. But the Pharisees, they said, ordinary work is not good enough. We want everything included. So any kind of work that you do. So I grew up in Williamsburg. I probably shared that before in my life. So I, I've grown up. And um, if you know anything about Williamsburg, Broadway is the dividing line, right? So on the other side of Broadway, you have a big community of Hasidic Jews living there. But there's a field on North, um, yeah, on South 8th and uh, Berry or Bedford, you know, South Nathan Berry, and, or Wythe, or whatever it is. And that field is called Clemente Field. And sometimes on Saturdays, we would go play baseball in Clemente Field, and we would get all the Hasidic Jews coming up to us. Can you press the button so I could cross the street? Can you open the door for us? And I'm like, I, I was younger. I was like, why, why, why are they asking me to do these things? I don't understand. But now I understand. It's work. I'm like, that's work? Like, how do you get dressed in the morning? Wouldn't that be considered work? Like you're walking. Isn't that considered work? But anyway, I, that's the ludicrousy. When you go and try to add on to something that's perfect, you start adding on things that don't make sense. So you make it so much more difficult to try to just be a Christian or to be a believer because you add on all these other things that you have to do to get acceptance from God. I just want to double down there and just give you a little bit of how ludicrous that was that they added on to the law. In 1992, there was an apartment fire in an Orthodox Jewish community in Israel. One apartment was on fire. The fire chief goes to the local rabbi and says, it's the Sabbath. Is it lawful for us to put out the fire? The rabbi says, I need to examine the law. An hour later, he comes back to the fire chief and says, you can put out the fire. 
by that time, multiple apartments were on fire. So instead of one family losing their home and losing their belongings, multiple families lost their homes and belongings. It crippled them. The law crippled them. And that wasn't what the purpose of the law was. They lost the essence of it. We lose the essence of the gospel when we start adding on things. And it cripples us from serving God, from loving God, from being in relationship with God. There's a few ways I could think of that happening, right? One of the ways in the modern church is church loyalty. What's church loyalty? Church loyalty is if I'm not giving up my weekends, if I'm not, if I'm not doing everything that I'm told to do by the pastor or by the leadership, if I'm not um, giving up everything that's good in my life for the church, then you're questioning my commitment to Christ, my walk with the Lord, and I might be living in sin. Personally, I can tell you, I lived with that kind of loyalty mentality myself. There was a point in time in my life where I served for six services on the weekend after working an entire week. It started Friday night and it ended Saturday, uh, Sunday evening. And I would go all weekend serving at church. And if I missed a day, if I was tired and somebody else was supposed to fill in or some, it was somebody else's turn and they called out, I would go and fill in no matter how tired I was. And if I couldn't, I felt such guilt. I felt like I let God down. It was crippling to my walk because what would happen is that I would feel this way and then I would beat myself up all week thinking I let God down by, because I wasn't there. That's just one example of ways that we add on to the gospel. But I love Jesus' response in that first story. Jesus says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. How can I break something if I'm the Lord of the Sabbath? But even more, you can translate that to be, I am Lord of the law. And if he's Lord of the law, he's Lord of the gospel. So it's what he spoke. It's not about what we add on to it. It's about what he spoke originally. You know what saves us? Jesus' mercy and his kindness. It's not what we do or what we don't do. All those things end up getting in the way of a true relationship with Jesus. It ends up getting in the way of the true gospel. And what happens is that we have an unhealthy Christianity. My second point, an unhealthy Christianity places our pursuit of God's acceptance above caring for others. In both stories, there was a need that needed to be fulfilled. The first one, the disciples and Jesus were hungry and they needed to eat. And the second one, there was a man with a deformed right hand. And in the commentaries, they say that the Pharisees set Jesus up in that second story. And the way that you know that is because in the temple, somebody with a deformity was not allowed to go into the temple. They had to sit outside. That's why when you read the other stories of the men who were crippled, the man at the gate, beautiful, he wasn't allowed into the temple. He had to stand outside at the gate, beautiful, to beg. 
So this man with a deformity, it was seen that either he sinned or his family had sinned. That's why his hand was crippled. So he was taken advantage of. They didn't care about him. They were out to get Jesus. This man had a need and they sent them in to, to show everybody. They wanted to discredit Jesus in front of the crowd. Look, he's, he's breaking the Sabbath. He's not keeping with our law, the law that God gave us, the law that Moses gave us. I've seen this also happen in churches. I can remember the time that a homeless man wanted to come into church. And this man actually was a Christian and he loved the Lord. And he didn't choose to be homeless. I don't think anybody chooses to be homeless. Circumstances of life happened and this is where he found himself. But he wanted to be with the believers on Sunday. And he came in and because of his appearance and his smell, he was asked to leave. Right? But that same man, they will have no problem going out and witnessing to him in the park and maybe bringing him some food, but he can't come and worship with you. That's, do you really care? Do you have to always go out to them? Can't they, aren't they allowed to come and worship the same God in the same place that we are? Aren't they allowed to stand next to us? They're just like us, a sinner in need of a savior. But like the Pharisees, oftentimes it's just a pawn in the game. You're probably asking then, what pleases God? How do we care? What pleases God? Mercy before sacrifices. Hosea 6, 6 says, I want to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. This is God talking to his people through the prophet Hosea. And then God says in Isaiah 58, 1 through 9, that love is more important than religious ritual. He says, they come to the temple every day and seem to delight to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? Why, we've been very hard on ourselves. Why don't you even notice it? This is God's response. No. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. This is what the Pharisees were missing. And oftentimes in an unhealthy Christianity, this is what we're missing. We're so focused on the things that we've added on to the gospel to, to make us righteous before God, to, to, get to, his, to get his appreciation, his acceptance, his love, to put a smile on his face, that we miss out on the things that he's actually asked us to do. The things that he's left us to do here on earth. Can I tell you any application of any duty, any religious requirement that is to the detriment of man is out of God's purpose. So today I got to ask you, where are you taking your direction from? Are there religious customs? Are there things that you've been taught 
that you're following and, and they're, they're not necessarily from God's word. They're just hearsay from other people saying this is what you got to do. These are the ways you got to live. Are you taking it from Jesus? His word and his life that we see in scripture. My third point, doing good is of more value than following religious traditions. That word good is so many ways that we could look at good, so many ways that we could put what's good on the same, the same uh, platform, right? But our interpretation of good has to come from Scripture. And this is what Jesus said himself came out of his mouth when they asked him, um, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, the first two commandments sum it all up, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second is just as important, to love your neighbor as yourself. An unhealthy Christianity will focus on the first part really well, like the Pharisees. Everything was for the first part. Everything was to show that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. But then you don't love your neighbor well. And Jesus said, if you don't love your neighbor well, you're not doing the first one at all. So what does it look like to love someone well? What does it look like? What does good look like in the tangible, what's happening now? It looks like not ignoring the person that's hungry and asking for some help. I know we live in New York City and there's a lot of people asking for help. Whether you ride the subway, you walk down many of the busy avenues, you see it everywhere. But the Holy Spirit prompts on us the person that he wants us to minister to. There's, it's not that you're taking your, your, your money out and you're going, okay, there's 15 people, I have $25, okay. And you go off to each person and you take care of them. No, God prompts you while you're walking and he says, this person right here, I want you to have a conversation with. I want you to do something good for them. And after that, there's some work that you notice happening. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. This, this, this is a way I can show love to that person. It's caring for the people that have injustice committed upon them. We can't just ignore it as if it doesn't exist. There's people that are hurting and our job is to care for them and to love them and to help them and to stand with them until justice is made right. And then there's those people that they share opposite views. And it's going to bother some people in this room. Our politics, our religion, our views on sexuality, on abortion, on money, on the jab, right? There's people that share different opinions and we can't shut them out. But the same love that we receive from Jesus, we're supposed to love them with. You can't just say, oh, well, you don't believe like me, so I'm only going to hang out with these people. You're not following the gospel. You're not following what Jesus left us. You've taken it and you have an unhealthy Christianity. You've done what the Pharisees have done, right? They separated themselves from regular society. 
they put themselves on a pedestal and everybody else was below them. That's the way they looked at it. That's the way they viewed. And I have one scripture here that I think hits home about what God said about the Pharisees and what he said about what he says about those people who have unhealthy Christian beliefs. Mark 6, 6 through through 9 and verse 13. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, their hearts are far from me, their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. An unhealthy Christianity could very easily become a false Christianity. It could become a false way of living if it's built on anything other than the gospel that Jesus left for us. It's not a bad thing to pray, to read your word. Those things are really good. But if you're doing them in an effort to earn something from God, to earn his acceptance, then what the reason behind it is wrong. And those things won't be honored by God. Those things won't produce fruit in your life. What they'll do is they'll, provo- they'll produce a religious mindset. So you walk around super religious. I read my word. I pray. I can speak in tongues. Can you? I've been there. I've been with those people. They're the same people that when you ask them, how you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. Like, yes, we're all blessed and highly favored. But um, that's the mindset. That's where it leads you to. And it's uncomfortable, right? But the reality is that you and I could be sitting next to each other, and that can be on our heart. We're dealing with that. We have a wrong perception of who God is, and we walk with this wrong perception that I have to earn, and I have to earn, and I have to earn. And God's like, no, I, I didn't leave the gospel so you can add something onto it. It's, it's perfect by itself. Just accept it. That's all you can do is receive the gospel. There's nothing else to do with it. Receive it, believe it, and go back to it over and over and over again. Because the thing I will tell you is if you've been serving God long enough, that mindset, that religious mindset will get into you if you don't watch what you're doing and what you're consuming and the way that you're living. And it's easy because all of us, we know we don't deserve it, so we try our hardest to to make up for that fact. And nothing we ever do will make up for that fact. When Christianity is focused on how well we look before God, how well we perform before God, how well we perform before others, how good and godly we look to others, we're in the wrong path, we're walking the wrong line. And Jesus corrected the Pharisees in both occasions. He let them know, no, 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 it's not your way, it's my way. 
I'm the Lord of the law. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the gospel. And as I get ready to close, Ben, you guys are welcome to come back up. Alicia. And I'm going to ask now before um, I close out, prayer team, if you don't mind, just to go stand on the side now. Um, leaders, prayer team, whoever's here. Um, I know we have a skeleton crew today because of the <laughs> marathon. I believe that there's people in this room that God has been speaking to. And like me, in my walk, you've been more religious than you have been like Christ. You've been more religious than you've been a follower of the gospel. You have the, you have the lingo down. You have the, the, the walk down. You have all those things down. But there's an insecurity in your heart that I, I have to earn God's love. So I have to do these things. And whatever the things are that you have to do, they're different for everybody. Don't ever get it twisted that the same thing for me is for you. No, no. We all have different things that we feel we have to achieve or we have to work at to get his love, to get his acceptance. But like I said earlier, the gospel teaches us we're loved, so we do. And God is calling us to be doers today of good. He's calling us to be doers of good because a true representation of the gospel is the good that we do on this earth. And I believe Isaiah 58 gave us a good depiction of what God calls good. And it's not everything, but I think it's a good way for us to start to live this thing out. Help those who are in prison wrongly. If you have a business, treat those, or if you're a manager or a boss or a director or whatever it is, treat those who work for you well. There's tons of people in this world, especially after COVID, that are oppressed. Help to free those people. Be a friend to them. Have conversations with them. Let them know that you're there, that you're not just there um, once in a while but that you'll be there and you'll stand by them and you'll walk with them. Let's help to feed the hungry. That's not just on Thanksgiving Day. Let's make sure that we're helping to feed those that are hungry. There's food banks all over New York. And I know we're in a recession and I know things are tight, but if you have extra, don't know if that was me, if you have extra, Bring it to those food banks. That's ways that you can help. But also, there's probably, if you have kids, there's probably kids in your kid's school that are hungry. I know I'm closing, but um, my wife is back there and she knows. My son came to us last year. There was a kid in his class who came every day and didn't have lunch. Michael would take half of his food and share it with this kid every day. That's not Jesus. 
I don't know what Jesus is, Dan. And it took my 10-year-old son for me to recognize, what are you doing? You can't just be preaching. You can't just be in the church and that's the good that you do. The gospel has to permeate outside these four walls. It has to permeate outside of just the, the church atmosphere and the Bible studies and everything else. We have to begin to live out and to walk out the gospel in every aspect of our lives. And religion will never do that. Religion will never go out and reach people. What religion does is it expects people to walk through the door, it expects the unsaved to come in, and it expects the preacher to preach the gospel to them and save them. That's what religion does. Give or help the homeless find shelter. Give clothes to those that need it. I had to take Micah to school a few times in the winter last year. Saw kids walking in the middle of winter with no coat on. I could never let Micah walk out the house unprepared. But I could only imagine what that mom or that dad struggling. Maybe doesn't have the money to buy him a coat. And I have excess. God has blessed my life and he's blessed our lives. And if you have the opportunity, find people who need help. They may need clothes. You may notice they wear the same thing every Sunday or every time you see them. Go out of your way and bless them. And the last one, don't ignore those that need help. He said a relative. I think anybody is a brother or sister. There's people dealing with so much mess and junk right now in this world and they're hurting and needed a brother or sister, someone just to sit alongside them and talk to them, someone to walk with them and hang out with them and spend time with them so that they know they're not alone in this world, so they know that God is not some far-off being, but he's close because he sends us close to them. So I want to encourage you, don't be ashamed if you have a religious spirit right now. If God is convicting you, when we go to worship, stand up and go get prayer. Don't be ashamed. I can tell you for a long time, I was in church, I was struggling and dealing with things, and because of my position and my title and my religious mindset, my religious attitude, I refused to get up and go to an altar call. I refused to get up and ask somebody to pray for me because I was ashamed of what I was doing, not knowing that all God wanted me to do was get up and he was there with his arms open. So can you stand? Elisa's going to lead us in a song to close out. But I just want to pray for all of us before we go into our uh, closing worship. Lord, we thank you for your gospel. We thank you that it's perfect in all its ways. And God, we're sorry if we've ever tried to add on to it so that it fits our life better, so it fits our perceptions better, so we can try to achieve your love. Your word has described you as a loving father and we're your children. And we get to call you father because Jesus 
The essence of the gospel is that we're in Jesus. We're hidden in Christ, your word says. So I pray, free us today from any religious mindset, any way that we resemble the Pharisees, Lord God. I ask you to free us today. Liberate us through your Holy Spirit. And God, help us to do good. Help us to be people that take your gospel out into the world. It's not a job about just proclaiming it with our lips, but doing so with our hands, the way we care and the way we love the world that you've given us, God. Help us today, Jesus. Your precious name, amen.